Well, welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park as we're disciples of Jesus that build generational transformational disciple of Jesus. I'm Pastor Aaron, and I am thrilled to have you join us here this uh, wonderful Mother's Day as we continue our series on living hope. And today we're going to be talking about we have living hope even in our families, how to build a, our families a rock-solid family. And uh, that's be a great thing. But as we do, we start, let me just say Happy Mother's Day to all of our, our great moms. I was really hoping that we'd get to be able to meet together uh, today, but we want to make sure we do that in the right way, and so, uh, and, and we do it in a safe and a good way. So that's coming, that's going to be close. But today, uh, since we don't get to have our moms here, we uh, put together a little gift for you. And uh, for all of our ladies, that'll be delivered some point today. And uh, so be expecting that. We'll just deliver it to your front door or whatever. And uh, just our way of saying thank you. And that's for all of our gals. Um, and I know that some of our gals don't have biological children. But if you are part of this church family, uh, you can be a mother in the faith and pass that faith, being a generational, transformational disciple maker. And we want to honor you the way you build your homes and, the, and our societies and make this church such a great place. And so we want to wish you a very happy Mother's Day. But for all of us, since we are here, some things before we get into the message. Uh, one of those is, uh, would you take you some time and fill out your connection card? Uh, we love to be able to pray for you. We want to make sure that we are, are connecting with you, and that's a great way to do that. So uh, if you're on our website, funchurch.com, there's a little tab there. You can click that. Um, it'll also be in the chat section in each of these areas or also in the, in the link below. So make sure you get those, and uh, we invite you to fill that out. Another thing is part of this message, uh, like we do every week, is we take communion. So I invite you right now, just take a minute to make sure that you uh, are ready for that. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, a believer in Christ, uh, go get yourself some wine or some juice, uh, maybe a, uh, some bread or a crack or something like that, and have that ready so when we get to that portion of the service, you'll be able to uh, participate in our, uh, our time together, communion together. And uh, the last thing that uh, we want to do is, before we begin, why don't you take just a second, I know we're all on electronic devices if we're doing this, just take a second and turn, off, uh, turn on your do not disturb or turn off the alerts and things like that and just take all those distractions away. And so we have some time together to make sure that you have your, a place for your heart to, to be able to connect with God without all those distractions. Okay, with all those things in place, uh, let's just take a second and we'll pray for the message and, and for the service and we'll get into it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for our moms the blessing they are. And Lord, we thank you for those of us who have amazing moms like me, and I have an amazing stepmom too, so double blessed. God, thank you for them and for uh, gifting them into our lives. Father, for those who had not so great moms, we thank you that you give them uh, a, an amazing church family to connect in. And Father, that, uh, that you have uh, just... Uh, uh, given that new life. But Lord, we do. We thank you for the moms and for the amazing uh, blessing they are to our church uh, and to our community. We ask today that you would fill them with joy and with peace. Lord, I pray too for this message. May it be something that honors you. I pray for this time, our worship. May it be pleasing to you. Will you draw us closer to you and make us a healthier church family because of it? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's worship. morning, church. It's good to see you all. Let a praise be your welcome. Let a songs be assigned. We are here for you. Even in our homes this morning, we're going to praise our God together. Let's, let's sing it out. Let a praise. Let a praise be your welcome. Let a song. 
chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. this morning just proclaim who he is song does it's just that it's called the Lord Almighty as we sing these words just think about how our God your God is all of these things in your life Let's sing first the firstborn firstborn over all Far beyond imagination, all visible and invisible things bow before Christ our King. The Godhead dwelling fully in Him. Crucified for our salvation. 
indescribable God, Jesus Christ, Lord of all. Indivisible, 
as we go into a time of prayer this morning, uh, we want to be thinking about our missionaries um, in the United States, uh, in our community, and abroad um, as we go into this missions month. And uh, we are going to take a few moments for prayer here in just um, a few minutes. But before we do, Aaron is going to talk about our kingdom commitment, our missions, um, and about a little bit about how we support and who we support in that area. And then we're going to get into prayer. Well, it's Missions Month here at the Christian Church of Estes Park. We take a little time each Sunday in May to talk about our missions here, at which in Estes Christian Church of Estes Park we call our Kingdom Commitment, and really talk about how we invest, what is our investment in missions. So that way uh, you know what we're doing, and uh, when you make a donation towards missions, where does that go to? Now, last week we discussed briefly our strategy, our theological and financial strategy really for missions here at the Christian Church of Estes Park. And today we're going to focus a little bit more on uh, talking about some of the actual missions ministry partners that uh, we support financially. And so uh, just briefly, just a reminder uh, theologically where, <laughs> uh, how we do missions here. And, and our strategy comes from Acts 1-8 where Jesus tells his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And of course, in that, Jesus gives us three fronts for our mission strategy. The first one is they are Jerusalem. That's our hometown, our local mission support. The second one is throughout Judea and Samaria. That is, of course, our national missions front. And the last one is then to the ends of the earth, which comprises our international missions so today we're going to focus in on our Judea, our local missions partners. And so let's talk about who we support here at the Christian Church of Estes Park, our local missions partners right here in Estes Park. The first one is uh, Crossroads Ministry. Now Crossroads operates as a Christian service organization that provides short-term assistance to people in poverty circumstances to include low-income clients, ongoing services to clients on fixed incomes, and encouraging self-sufficiency of clients through educational opportunities. Now, the uh, organization provides a food pantry, services, emergency assistance with rent, housing, utilities, medical transportation, and lots of other uh, basic human needs. And uh, it also has a self-sufficiency program, which focuses on helping people with uh, money management, energy efficiency training, and also other kinds of training for folks in low-income households. Uh, right now, Crossroads Ministry is a multi-denominational ministry. It's supported by 15 local churches and affiliated service groups. And uh, there's a lot of folks in our church who serve and volunteer in their ministry time at Crossroads in terms of both on the board as well as in service whilst there. And... Uh, in addition to Crossroads, we also are proud to support here at the Christian Church the Hub Ministry, our, our local youth group, which is a multi-denominational youth ministry in Estes Park. And so uh, churches from uh, various churches here that are part of the EMA support the Hub and uh, do one uh, youth group, which is pretty awesome. It's proof that God's hand is really working here, a sign of unity that's there. Now, this youth group is made up from youth from lots of different churches, as well as reaches a lot of students that aren't part of any church. It's one of the powers of it. The focus of the hub is to uh, bring kids to Christ. So it's the focus on evangelism, outreach, as well as 
the beginning of discipleship, helping the students find identity in Christ and in the church. Uh, the local uh, ministry uh, director for the hub is John York and uh, does a great job uh, with all of that. Uh, the hub has two major meetings uh, or outreaches. The first was are the weekly meetings there for the middle schoolers. And so middle schoolers meet each week at 7 o'clock, usually at Mountain View Bible Fellowship. Of course, right now they've been meeting online, doing all kinds of creative Zoom things. The high schoolers uh, meet weekly at 7 o'clock. In addition to those, Hub Ministry also does a lot of other outreaches in the school, camps, and other kinds of fun things, ways to reach students. And it's a wonderful thing every year as we get to celebrate uh, more of our local uh, students being baptized into Christ and finding their way as uh, being part of the church through that ministry. It's just an awesome thing to be a part of. In addition to Crossroads and the Hub, uh, we also have as our church lots of other smaller or uh, just different uh, ministries that we support through this church. Some of them through our Kingdom Commitment funding and some just by offering uh, the buildings of service. Some of those are our Airsoft Sports Ministry, which we host here at the church. Uh, throughout the summer, we have young people get together and uh, play uh, some Airsoft and just an opportunity to reach them in Christ. Although we also have uh, Moms Connect. It's been great to be able to meet at our building throughout the uh, year. That's like, a, a group of young moms that get together for encouragement and support and a little bit of training. And so we offer our building and support for that. In addition to those, there's always all kinds of other th missions like this, outreaches from our Estes Valley that we support as our mission strategy to reach and evangelize our Estes Park with the great news of who Jesus is. So, when we ask, well, how do you invest in Kingdom Commitment? Well, it's pretty easy. Uh, the first way is online. You can go to funchurch.com forward slash give. And uh, as you do that, uh, you can just uh, make sure that you select the drop-down thing and select missions. And 100% of your funds there will go to supporting missions like Crossroads and like the Hub Ministries. In addition to that, you can also mail your donation in, of course, to Christian Church of Estes Park. That's here at 4655 U.S. Highway 36 here in Estes Park, Colorado. And as you mail that in, just put missions on the memo line to make sure that we know how to direct those funds to go into our missions budget and support these great ministry partners. And I just want to thank you for being part of our missions strategy here at the Christian Church of Estes Park. Next week, we're going to talk about our regional or national ministry partners. God, as we continue into responsive prayer time, uh, Lord, we want to pray for those around us that we know who don't know you, and we're going to lift them up this morning. Let's do that now. God, we're also going to lift up those um, we know who are going through difficult times, uh, struggles right now. Um, many of us probably know many people who are, and so we're going to lift them up to you. Let's do that now. God, we're also going to lift up uh, land and a building to you. Uh, Lord, you've given us a vision to move in town, and we um, want to be uh, faithful and, and uh, 
to you and, and keep asking you for that right spot. And God, we know you have it for us. And so we're going to take uh, just a few moments and um, ask you for that uh, location, that right location that you have for us in town. God, on this Mother's Day, we're going to lift up our families to you. Uh, we're going to lift up uh, the families in our church to you. God, that you would be in them, that you would uh, dwell uh, within the families of uh, our church. And God, that you would do awesome things um, in the lives of the families here. And God, you would also use the families that we have at our church to reach out and to be a light to other families as well. And uh, we're going to pray and, and lift up those families in our community, uh, Lord, that don't know you, that, that need to know uh, a Savior. And as God, as we're um, together a lot as families right now, we pray that you would um, give us patience, God, that you would give us um, perseverance, that you would give us um, just extra love so we can pour it out to our families during this time. Um, we're going to lift up our families now. Let's do that. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Sing it out. I am a child of God. Family, your blood of 
going to take communion now as a church family, and um, like we said at the beginning of the service, if you have a cracker of bread and and some juice, feel free to grab that now, and we're just going to take a few moments here and um, just thank God for what he's done for us, and as we do, feel free to grab those things so we can take communion together this morning. I'm going to read uh, from 1 Corinthians 11 uh, this morning. It says this, uh, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. This is Paul talking. 
It says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take this uh, piece of bread or cracker together this morning. In the same way, he took a cup after uh, supper. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this cup, eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So let's drink this cup together. Thank God for what he's done for us. God, what an amazing gift you have given us uh, through your son, Jesus, uh, because of his death on the cross. Uh, We thank you. We remember, um, God, the sacrifice that he made for us. And Lord, as we continue the series, Living Hope, uh, Father, we don't want to forget the living hope that we have because of Jesus, Uh, the hope of eternity, the hope of a life um, greater uh, than this world, and the hope that we can live uh, greater lives in this world um, because of you. God, we uh, lift the rest of the service to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day and welcome back as we continue our series on living hope as uh, we find how we have living hope in the midst of days like this. And I'll be honest with you, I was really hoping that we would have the whole church family here together here on this Mother's Day. We're getting close. I'm sure a lot of our moms feel that same way, but the day is approaching quickly. But until it does, I'm glad at least we can meet together here online and uh, as we talk about this. Now, Mother's Day is... uh, uh, such a wonderful thing to celebrate moms. Moms are uh, really the makers of the home, and the home is the core of society. Really, it's uh, really the core of who we are as people. Uh, we develop from our homes. It's also the core of our society in general. And so really, as our homes go, so does our nation. So does the church. And so we so value the incredible work of our moms and our grandmas and those who built these amazing homes that uh, build a great church and a great society. And so today, we're actually going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the home. We're going to focus on family and what makes a solid biblical family. Uh, Before we do that, of course, we want to remind ourselves of our memory verse, which is one I think that maybe some of our moms maybe speak uh, more regularly as uh, they're bringing their children up. And that's this. It starts about Romans 8.18. And it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so for any of those moms out there that might be discouraged right now, know that what you're doing matters and your present sufferings aren't worth comparing with what's coming next. And uh, so uh, what you do is good work. So, but with that, uh, let's just say it together a few times and we'll get into the message. Here we go. Three, two, one. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, Romans 8, 18. Awesome. Again, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, Romans 8, 18. And one last time. Here we go. 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What a wonderful truth. Again, take some time this week, spend some time with that word, remind yourself of it, that what we're going through today is not forever, and what's coming next is always better. What God has for us is far better than what we even have today. So, this morning as we meet together, uh, I want to share, begin with two biblical purposes for family and two truths, and then we'll get in with some, uh, uh, some base practical things on how to have a rock-solid family. So the two biblical purposes for family are this. The first one is that family is a shelter for life's storms. For all the difficult things in life, family is a shelter for us. And so that's the first thing. And we see that throughout Scripture, that God gave us family and gave us a home in order to give us a point of refuge in the midst of this crazy world. Because the world is a crazy place, right? And so having a solid home, a home in which there is not turmoil within the walls, gives us a space of rest and refuge to grow from. So that's the first one. Second one is that family is a learning center. It's what God designed it to be. It's a place where we learn to how to have relationships. It's a place where values are learned. It's a place where character is developed. And it's a place where faith is imparted. So faith is a shelter for life storms. At the same time, it is a learning center for how to live. And with those two biblical principles, let me offer you these two biblical truths as well. The first one is that God provides you with a spiritual family. And that spiritual family is the church. And I know you can't see us right now, but we're very real. We exist very much and we love you very, very much. And we miss you very much. But you have a place here. So regardless of what your family was like in the past, you have a home here for all brothers and sisters that are believers in Christ, that God provides you his family. And it is the greatest family. No matter how good your family was, the family of the faith is much is even better than that because God is the Father. The second truth there is that you get to decide what your family is going to look like. And I love that one. The first one is I have a place. I have a church family. There's nothing else. I got a church family. But also that uh, I get to decide. We get to decide what our families look like. That you know that uh, when people come into me for marriage counseling, uh, you know, and I have a husband and a wife, and obviously they're coming for counseling. Usually it's because things aren't working so good. And they're always typically very amazed by this one thing is that any two people, right? You have any man, any woman, and they get married. They, those two people are, are capable of making each other miserable. Any two people can have the worst marriage. The same way, any two people can have the most beautiful, wonderful marriage, right? It, the, right? Because a marriage is a man and a woman and God. And God's always going to do his part. So the secret is to having a great marriage is choosing to do your part. To, to do as much as it's in your power that you could choose uh, uh, what kind of family you are going to have. And it's a very powerful thing. And with that, then let's talk about this morning just briefly here. Three godly foundations for a rock-solid family. Because right? I know that in our culture, family is under attack. That's why here just recently we talked about we were disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. We, we added on to that, our vision, our mission for that, that we're disciples of Jesus that build generational transformational disciples of Jesus. And that's that generational portion is so important because family is under attack. Our culture really doesn't know how to do family very well at all, but God does. And so we're going to look at there. The first thing it says in there that we want to invite God to be the center of my family. If you want to have a solid family, you need to make sure that it's centered in the right place. All right, so we spent an entire year together uh, talking about worship. 
And worship is whatever our lives revolve around, right? And so whatever your life revolves around is truly what you worship. And God says that, that really he invites us to center our lives on him. And he's the only one that really makes everything kind of spin together in the right way. Otherwise, our lives spin off into chaos. What is the same way with our families? That, that as we center our lives around God, we, then our families tend to have the right kind of vows, begin to work in the right way. If we center on anything else, whether it's money or if it's uh, just even the relationships in the family or if it's success or whatever else that the family centers around, sports or things like this, uh, we get off of center and stuff starts to break down. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And so what a, a wonderful truth that is, that uh, in that passage, God's not talking about building you your physical house on earth, right? But he's saying in our lives, whatever our, if, unless God builds it, it doesn't really matter, right? Only God knows how to build the home correctly. And so we want to just start with this, letting God build our homes as he builds us, the chief parts of our homes. And so together, what this means is, may the homes be a place where we're learning that we are praying. That's part of the shelter of life storms. When difficult things happen, the world gets crazy. I don't know, maybe you have uh, lost your job or you've gone through something difficult. You've had a, a rough relational thing or whatever the pressures of the outside are. Can the home be a place where you begin and you pray for one another and pray with one another? And so uh, let God build you in your home. Center on Him. Another thing is not just praying, but reading. Uh, reading God's Word together in the home to have uh, an understanding as you grow together in faith. That's a powerful thing as a family to know that we're all developing as, as the disciples of Jesus and we have the same instructional manual and that really does help center a family together so it stops being my way versus their way and, and we have these battles. Instead, we could say, well, it's my way versus God's way, our way versus God's and say, well, can we all agree let's just do things God's way the best that we can so having the word being a center part of your family culture is massive. It, it takes away so many of those uh, points of frustration and the power struggles. Uh, we center on that greater authority. Something else in the family to do as we uh, center our lives on God, as we not just worship him with our time and prayer and, and reading and all that, and, and, but also with, with our, even our things, which is why as a family it's so important to tithe together. To say as a family we're doing, not just as one individual, as a family say, we are trusting God. We're bringing to Him from our household first. And we're centering on Him, reminding us, reminding ourselves that we don't serve money. And it keeps us free from having that really lousy idol. I mean, money is a horrible master. It's a great servant, but a horrible master. And so uh, it keeps us from the pitfalls of that. Uh, it helps us remember together as, that we live by faith first, and so we can live then faithfully. If we live by faith, then we can be full of faith. And so that's a way that we center our lives on family. And so I uh, encourage you, especially as we're going to be doing again fairly shortly after we get together again, a um, Financial Peace University, and as an opportunity for families to, to set their budgets together, their financial pr priorities. But just starting that tithing and, and generosity as a family, praying about it, and being faithful. Another way to do this is attending church. That's worshiping God again with my time. Uh, as a family, make that a priority. And, you know, as a youth pastor, and as a youth pastor for a long time before I became lead pastor, it was so heartbreaking to me is I would see families that they would come and they, 
they wouldn't, uh, you know, when the kids got into middle school high and high school, sports really became the idol. Now, they still worshiped Jesus. He was still their Lord. But what did their life revolve around? Well, if sports and sporting events and things like that happened, well, oftentimes what you would see is the families, if they had an event on Sunday or like Saturday night, then their time and their energy and all of that kind of revolved around these sports things for their kids. And so what they taught is their children, it was either that or academics or whatever it was, that they would come to church, but as a, if they had time, right? If everybody woke up and they all felt motivated to come and everything was working, that's what they would do. But they would center their life around, their whole schedules, everything were around these other events, like even sporting events. And this is coming from a football coach, by the way. So I'll tell you that, but when it happened, as, as they made other things other than God the center, right? And then not church, and they didn't uh, bring their children to church. Then what was so heartbreaking for me is that then as the children grew older, oftentimes those children grew away from the church. And then I would have these parents who were heartbroken, and they would say, I raised my children to love God, and I don't know why church isn't a big priority for them. I don't know why their faith isn't a big priority for them, right? They're uh, they're all into their career, they're all into this relationship, but they're not turning to God. And these parents, their hearts will be broken. But the thing was, is that the parents trained their children to not worship Jesus. They trained their children not to center their lives in the right way. and not They didn't center their homes on Christ. And even though God was part of their life, He was off to the side. And so the children learned, and it was imprinted upon their hearts a different way. And so then you see those parents as we pray for their kids, and all. it was really hard. And, and I've seen that pattern all the way through, and occasionally we see children come back, and, and we praise God for that. But as a home, you can choose. Center your family in faith. Make it a priority. If it's a priority as the children grow, then it'll be a priority for life. But even if you're coming back later in life, you get to choose from this point on. Set that example. Uh, attending church, and not just attending church as an individual, but together. And yes, not everyone's not going to want to come every single week, just like not everybody wants to go to the dinner table every single night. Not everybody wants to go do anything at all times, especially if you have a larger family. But you just do it. Another thing that families would do is to worship God with their abilities to serve, to have that ingrained in, in the life of the family that we serve with our abilities. And as we do that together as a family, then we grow together in our faith as a family. And so it's been really awesome here, even though we've been meeting separately, obviously, because of the uh, you know, separation orders and all of this. But uh, we have our, our Say Yes ministries, and there are some families that have said yes to some ministries some things like uh, taking care of the outside of the building and things like this that they were able to do uh, separate, you know, when nobody else is around and, and kind of like just... But uh, to see families come together and to do things... Uh, whether it was we've seen families uh, make meals and take them to other church members as a family would do that or write cards and send them out. We've seen uh, when we had the big snowstorm and one of the families of our church got together, got their kids, they went and they shoveled out some of the, um, our empty nesters and widows, uh, some of their walks and things like this. Serving together as a family is so huge as an expression of faith. Now, when we do all these things, when we center our life in faith, what we have is a core for a family that allows us to have a stability. So when the world uh, gets rattled, we're okay. And a good example of that is uh, when this whole crisis began, and it was w- way back, uh, s- several, like six, seven, eight weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, we started seeing a lot of our family members in the church lose their jobs, and family members in my own family 
I have difficulties because the economy's changed and it was just rough. Um, I had a great conversation with my son and uh, as we were talking, because, you know, if people are going through hardships, the church needs to be there to up our benevolence and to help our church members. And I've been so grateful to see how that's happened. But also when people are going through hard times, then they often give less. And so we have less coming in and more expected to go out. And so, you know, what do you do with that? And so uh, my son, who's a very smart kid, he's real bright, and he's putting the numbers together. And he's like, well, Dad, what happens if the church can't pay you, right? And uh, I'll tell you that it was a really awesome to be to tell him, say, you know what, bud? Uh, we as our family, we centered on Christ. And it, we did it when it was hard for, I mean, uh, when uh, my wife got sick, uh, we tithed and we centered our finances. We worshiped God with our things and our time. And, we, and there was a lot of temptations not to. I mean, there were some weeks where it was just by faith. I was like, I don't know how we're, we're going to get through this. But we, we did it. And looking back on it, there was never once where we were hungry. We never, my, my son never missed a meal. My wife never missed any medicines or a doctor's appointment. We uh, never... We're without a home. We always had a roof over our head. God always took care of us, has always taken care of us. And then even through the church, God brought us out of that. I'd say it's an amazing thing. When you have peace, you know that uh, our world doesn't revolve even around the church. It revolves around Christ. It revolves around Christ. And because of that, the storms of life happened, but we had a shelter. Our home was a refuge, a shelter. We knew that we were faithful and God's faithful to us. And he will always take care of us. Now, praise God, he's taking care of the church as well. And so that's good. But I'll tell you, that's one example. You see how the family is a refuge, but also a training center. And so my son now has that very real opportunity where he got to see it lived out in faith. He got to see his parents not panicked, not upset, but with peace. And then also gave us the ability to be very generous, even in the midst of this time. He got to be part of that. So the first thing we want to do is center my family and God, right? Make God the center of my family. The second thing we want to do of a rock-solid family is this. It has to do with priorities. It's to make my spouse my top priority after God, okay? So this is important. We have priorities in life, and God gives us those priorities. And so the very, our very first ministry is always to God. And then the ministry after that that God gives us in Scripture, the second ministry is to our own homes, our own family. And so in that, my spouse is my first ministry. So Amy, for me, is my first ministry, which is why if I'm failing in that ministry or I'm having difficulty or that ministry requires more, that God says, listen, you need to focus on get that right. And, and like, even if I'm a really gifted preacher, wouldn't that be awesome? And if I was like a, a really gifted you know, pastor or whatever, that God says, if your family requires your attention, do that first. You're not qualified to step up in ministry to serve the whole church family if it's taking away from your ministry to your home. And so we need to take sure, make sure that that's taken care of first, even above pastoral ministry. And so everything in life, we recognize that God has these, these orders of priority. And the first one is God. We, we have to be true to God first. And then we need to make sure that we're ministering in our home. If you have any ministry that's done well, make sure it's that. And so we want to place our spouse right after God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, he says, now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful, right? God has trusted you and your spouse has trusted you both, right? Uh, God has given you a trust. He said, you are now my child. You're part of my family or my servants, all those things. He's let us in. We need to be faithful to him first. He's given us the greatest trust. And so part of it, as we say that we, uh, as we serve in our families, that we make sure that our relationship with God is right and we're good with him. 
But then we also need to be faithful to our spouse. Now realize that uh, in uh, how God set things up, he said uh, there are certain things that, uh, that only a husband is supposed to get from his wife, and there are certain things only a wife is supposed to get from her husband. And uh, once you're married, that, uh, that's, you have to depend upon them. And it's really a vulnerable place, both for the husband and the wife, because what if the spouse chooses not to? And that happens. Well, I'll say this. As much as it's in your power, do your part. Fulfill your role. Uh, keep that trust, even if you don't want to. Right? Ephesians chapter 5 says this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And what is he talking about? In the same way as what? In the same way that Jesus died on the cross for us, even when we didn't love him, right? As Jesus lays his life down for the benefit of us, the church, it says, in that same way, husbands ought to love their wives. Lay their lives down for their wives. Choose their good above, uh, their wives' good above their own. Consistently, regularly, uh, so their wives can... Uh, just depend upon it. And wives ought to respect their husbands. Actually, this other passage, though, what we find is that uh, husbands are called to love their wives in Scripture. And that's not to have just warm, fuzzy affection for their wives. That happens. That comes and goes. But, you know, that'll build. But what God asks us to love our wives is the way that Christ loves the church, to lay our lives down for our wives, to choose them above ourselves. And this is what that means in a very real way. It's uh, there are times that uh, Amy might want to talk and I want to zone out. Well, guess what? Uh, she has that relational need. I lay my life down for her. I choose that first. Or there may be certain toys that I want to go buy, right? I want to go and, and uh, get into a hobby or something like that. But my wife also has something that she would desire, right? Something good. What am I going to choose? Her first always. Which is why I think it's like uh, when God has blessed us to have two cars and it's just amazing me that he does, my wife will always drive the better one. Why? It's a way that I show her that she, I'm choosing her above myself consistently, dependably, regularly. But uh, it's also uh, in, in deference, right, uh, preference of things. If I can choose to lay my life down for her, to care for her, uh, then I'm emulating the way that Christ loves the church. Now, the scripture is here. He who loves his wife loves himself is true. That as I love my wife and she's confident and comfortable knowing that I will be selfless, predictably. Now, I'm not 100% of the time. I could be a stinker once in a while, but most of the time, predictably, I'm pretty darn good. I will choose her best, and she can depend upon that. Well, as she's relaxed in that, it's amazing how much more that she then, she actually looks out for my good, <laughs> and she's very happy and content. And it's a wonderful thing, and it brings peace into the home. Well, as husbands are to love their wives, right, as you are called to lay your life down for them, to, to serve them, to sacrifice yourself for them, even if it's your own happiness, for their happiness, then you do it. Wives are called to respect their husbands right? and to follow their lead. That's the, the horrible word that Scripture talks about, submission. But submission is not a women's issue. It's a human issue. We're to also submit to God. We submit to our government. We submit to our bosses. Every human does. We know what that means. In the home, we're not to have power struggles. And wives are called to lay down the power struggle to let their husbands lead, I mean, truly lead, not manipulate them from the back seat, but to sit next to them in the passenger seat together as partners, but to let the husband have the steering wheel of life as she helps navigate. I mean, that's a big thing. That's hard, but to respect her husband, not to say, realize for a man, if, a, if the wife says, well, I don't trust you to lead. That just cuts a man to the core. 
I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. She's not smart enough. It's, it's a horrible thing. But to respect your husband is to build him up, not to lie, but as best as you can. If he does anything right, to look for those and to build him up and to respect him and to find the areas of competence that he has and to help him develop and to grow in those and then to be his cheerleader as well as his life partner as he go through things to offer you advice and your counsel, but trust that he's got a brain in his head and respect him as he makes a decision to respect him and to honor him as you talk to your ladies, not to be like, well, my husband's the stupidest guy, right? I think oftentimes women have, they'd be like, uh, and I've had this happen. Well, my husband can't do this right, can't do this right. And oh, you know, he's this awful guy. But, you know, but I love him, right? I'll go home, I'll clean his, his clothes. I'll, you know, I'll uh, uh, do all these things for him because I love him. I just don't respect him. Well, I say, ladies, that's, that's a hard thing. You, to, just as a husband is supposed to love his wife, lay his life down for her, the cross that wives often have, respecting her husband. But I'll tell you, as you do that, as you respect your husband, it's amazing how many husbands then start acting respectable. And so to love him, and that's fulfilling your role and being faithful. And, and learn how to do that. Nobody's gonna, husbands are not gonna love their wives perfectly at first. It is a lifelong thing. And it takes a lot of growth on the and wives are not going to be really great at respecting their husband at first. That's a hard thing. And it's laying down all kinds of things. And it requires an enormous amount of vulnerability and humility. But Christ gives us the example, both of love and of humility, so we can follow him in that. As we love them and as we, we lay our lives down for them, we also need to forgive. That a home, if, if we're going to make my spouse a top priority, I, I, I have to choose my spouse above myself, which means that I can't hold on to all of my old hurts. Right, as much as fun as it is, and it feels so vindic- you know, vindicating when I hold on to to all my past hurts. So I have these these little weapons. I like, oh, you know, if I did this, like Amy messed up, well, I'm gonna remember that. So next time we have a fight, I can pull that out. Right, that just leads for greater warfare in the home, and we want our homes to be a place of refuge. So we need to have the home, and we learn for our families to learn how to forgive all past hurts. So Mark 11 says this. And, and this is Jesus, actually. He says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your heavenly Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And that's a huge thing. God says, don't even talk to me if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart. He told a whole parable about this, by the way. He said that there was a servant that got forgiven by this massive debt. The king you know, forgave him a, a huge debt. And then the servant goes out and beats up his friend who holds, you know, owes him like 20 bucks. And then the king brings the servant back and says, why did you do that? I forgave you this massive thing. Couldn't you at least forgive your friend? And it's the same way for us. Like God has forgiven us our sins. I don't know how much your spouse has sinned against you. Pales in comparison to how much you've sinned against God. And so since God's forgiven us, we forgive our spouses. And that's one of the ways we fulfill that role to them. And shouldn't our spouses find grace in us? Uh, Especially for those that have unbelieving spouses. If they're not experiencing grace through you, how will they ever trust the grace of our Heavenly Father? But then also for those that are believing spouses, we all know God's amazing grace, how He loves us and takes care of us. So when your spouse is boneheaded and does something painful or hurtful, can you forgive? Yes. How can you forgive? By the power and the grace of God. And forgiveness is this. It is a continual choice. I choose not to hold on to this. I choose to to give it to God. I'm not going to weaponize your faults against you. Even if they continue to do that against you, can you choose grace? Yeah, that's what we need to do. So choose your spouse. 
Be vulnerable that way. Another thing we need to do is to cultivate then that culture of grace in our home. As we forgive, can we cultivate that culture? To say, you know what, that I am not going to be a person that's going to be given bitterness. I'm not going to be a vindictive person. I'm not going to pull up things, your failures, from the last 10 years or even yesterday. I don't rub your nose in your failures because God doesn't rub my nose in my failures. Can they find grace in you? Cultivate that. And as you operate in grace, you've now changed the terms of your family. You've changed the chemistry of the way that it is. So if you live in a war zone, a place where everybody's at battle and always be like, well, you messed up. I'm going to put that in there my back of my mind so I can pull this out against you. And if you live in that kind of environment, instead of continue to declare war, because how well is that working for you? War just escalates until everybody's dead. <laughs> declare peace. Say When somebody says, wow, uh, and they'll know too. They'll be like, well, they could have used that against me and you choose not to. <laughs> it begins to change the culture and it'll take a while, but God will be with you. And that's choosing your spouse to serve them, top ministry. Another thing we need to do is we need to accept one another, not just forgive, but to genuinely accept one another. Why? Because Christ accepted you. Romans fifteen seven, it says this, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So with your spouse, accept them as they are today, not just because you want them to change. God accepted you and he's changing you, yes, but he still accepts you today, doesn't he? So accept your spouse. If their spouse is driving you nuts because they're doing something maybe just mean and, and, and something that just drives you nuts, you say, I'm not going to excuse that thing and some spouses are doing things that are really, really awful. And I'm not saying sit there and take abuse. Right? If you're being abused and you're, and that's a different discussion that we're going to have, how you can honor your spouse and serve them, but without allowing them to destroy themselves and you and abuse. But for most things, annoyances and, and hurts and those types of things, that's what I'm talking about. Can you accept them and say, you know what? I don't accept your behavior, but I accept you. And I'm choosing to love you. Faults and all. Another thing we want to do is attend church regularly. And we talked about that early on, why that's so important. But this is your spiritual family. More than your, like Jesus had his brothers and his mom show up one time. He was preaching and they were kind of nervous because Jesus was saying things like, hey, I'm God, because he is. But that was, you know, going to get him in trouble and they saw that. So they kind of went to kind of tell him, hey, why don't you slow down this whole Messiah thing? <laughs> but of course, he's God. And so he says to the folks that were there, he says, who are my mother and my brothers? He says, I'll tell you, anybody that's here that does the will of my father are my true mother and my true brother. That... We are the forever family. Uh, a lot of us have biological families that uh, not everybody's going to be in the kingdom, and that's their choice. And may it never be because we didn't share the gospel with them or demonstrate it correctly. But uh, the sad reality is a lot of us have folks that we're biologically related to that aren't our, our, in our families. And so uh, we have this uh, difficulty in our, uh, in our lives as we have this uh, uh, how do we love them and, and who are we connected to? Well, I'll tell you this, your church family is who you're connected to ultimately. That your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, we're going to be together forever. And I know that some of you are like, really? But trust me that we get sanctified, so it'll be a little easier. It'll get, it gets better, right? So, uh, but uh, with your, your family, we want to make sure that we are uh, together uh, here. And so as a family, as your biological family, as your spouse, if they're willing, go to church. But I'll tell you this, 
Even if your spouse is not willing to join you to church, you go. Why? Because you choose your spouse after you choose Jesus, right? That Jesus is your top priority. And so if your spouse, if you're a wife and your husband is telling you to do something like don't go to church, well, guess what? Your greater authority says go. And you need to choose the Lord first, and that's okay. Or if your husband is telling you to do something that you know is sinful, you don't obey your husband in doing something that is a violation of what God has told you to do. You obey God first and with honor. You say, I just can't do that. You're violating my conscience. I can't violate my first priority to God. And so uh, make sure that you uh, choose God first. And the same thing for husbands. If you have a wife that's trying to draw you into bad worship, look at Solomon. He had all those wives and they drew his heart away from God and he was influenced by them. Loving them did not mean that he should first then uh, fall apart on his first love. You love God first is one of the best ways that we can love our spouse. And so we need to, part of that is attending church regularly. Be part of the church. It sets that priority. It lets that weekly reconnection and reminder for all of us that we are part of a bigger and better family. We're part of God's family, which is pretty great. The third thing we want to do is fulfill my responsibility to my children. All right? So we have, we want to love God that and, and to center our life on Him. We want to serve our spouse as the next priority. We know it's our next priority after spouse, it's children. And we want to make sure that we fulfill our responsibility to our children and our children's children, if you're grandparents. And so how do we do that? Well, the first thing that we do is we disciple our children, that we help them understand who Jesus is. The greatest thing we could ever do for our children is to welcome them into our ultimate eternal family, the church family. Deuteronomy chapter 6, incredible passage, says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Do you think kids want to talk about these things that much? No, it's why it says impress them, right? And the idea of impressing is like you have like the stamp, and you're like, you know, driving it in there so it actually makes a mark. Does the mark of Christ, does it reside in the hearts of your children? Well, that's what a parent's job to do. It's not the job of children's ministry or youth ministry to disciple kids. That's, the, that's a secondary help. It's the job of parents to disciple their children. And parents are uniquely gifted and, and positioned to be able to train their children. Which is why it's so sickening to me as we see even through this, uh, this pandemic, you've seen some people who don't understand who God is and who reject his authority or even his existence. And, and they say that professionals know how to raise children better than parents. And so they've said things like, well, we can't have homeschool and you can't have kids being trained at home. That'll just teach them the wrong things. They'll get impressed the wrong way, not the way that the government or that we want them to be impressed upon. But God didn't make it that way. God made parents to train their children. And we're here to help you with that, to help this church family to impress upon God's ways onto your heart and your lives. But we want to make sure that we are intentionally helping our children develop spiritually. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like, well, bringing them to church, but also talking about God and your family, praying together, tithing together, serving together, making God part of your everyday life, not just your Sunday experience. And so they see the faith in you. And as they see the faith in you and you talk about your faith, it does become impressed into them, into their own lives. And so it changes even how our children live. It's an amazing thing. So we want to disciple our children. 
But in addition to discipling, we've got to do something else, which is also equally as controversial today, and that is disciplining our children. Hebrews 12 uh, says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, yes. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So let me ask you, parents, would you like to have righteousness and, well, peace in your home? Well, it comes when we discipline our children. In fact, uh, it's been interesting to see in our culture as we've had a misunderstanding. Our culture has uh, really very little understanding of nuance. And so uh, they've conflated the abuse of discipline with, uh, with discipline. And so uh, with that, uh, they've seen dis- people discipline being wrong and wrongly done. They said, well, then we can't discipline at all. And so then they don't discipline their children and only tell their children they're wonderful and try to only give their children positive affirmation. And what we end up with is with feral children that uh, don't lead to peace and certainly don't live lives of righteousness. And we wonder why. But God says, no, we can discipline. And there's a difference also, but understand what's the difference between discipline and punishment. Parents are not called to punish their children, right? That's not in there at all. Uh, in fact, there's only two entities in the entire creation that are called to bring discipline the first one is god god can bring discipline and the second one's government government can discipline but the church can't discipline uh or can't punish uh you know god can punish the government can punish but the church can't punish parents can't punish and what's what is punishment the difference well let's say this here's your standard this is the way you're supposed to live and let's say that your behavior just isn't up to par like you don't quite get there okay punishment looks at that difference and it says that's the amount you have to suffer right? And in order to create an equity so that justice is served, right? So let's say uh, here's, I'm supposed to pay for that dollar pack of gum, and then I steal that dollar pack of gum. Now I have a dollar's worth of pain that I have to pay, right? And uh, so if I have, if like whatever, they chop off my hand, then that would be improportionate. So that's cruel and unusual punishment, right? It's not, it's not just punishment, but a punishment that's about equal. We'll bring things up. That's punishment. Well, parents aren't supposed to do that. You're not supposed to look at your kids and say, well, you're supposed to do this and your behavior is here and that's how much you have to suffer. That's not what parents ask. Parents are supposed to discipline their children. Discipline means this. Here is what your standard is. Here's your behavior. And discipline is whatever I need to do to bring your behavior up to to standard, right? However, what it takes to bring your, your behavior up to standard. And changing behavior is painful, right? So sometimes it does look like things like, well, you... You're going to have time out or you're going to lose this, this privilege, right? There's a lot of different ways to bring discipline. But the thing is, the goal of discipline is to change behavior, to bring it up to standard, to what it ought to be. And so parents, we need to do that. It's up to you to make sure your children are growing and thriving, that, they, that their behavior changes and goes up uh, so they become productive, wonderful uh, disciples of God that are great parts of society and are able to also become leaders of their own families as they grow. And so we also, in that, as we discipline our children, we want to make sure we're not just bringing discipline, but there's also love. So the high structure is the discipline, but high love. We want to nurture our children as well. And as we nurture our children, we then are fulfilling our responsibility to them. All right. So uh, as we look at that, we recognize that children then are a gift from God, right? They are a gift that God gave us children not to punish parents, uh, not to make things messy, uh, not just as a necessity. That God gifts families with children as a sign of a gift, as a blessing, that every life the, is there, a child is a gift from God, and to see them as such. And so as you pour into them, as you love them, and as you nurture them, as you, uh, 
as you care for them, as you show them God's love, as you center your life and your family around Christ, you fulfill your responsibility to them, then you get to, uh, you enjoy them. You get to, to raise them up in Christ and, and enjoy that time that you have. Because I'll tell you, as now my son is going to be in high school next year, blows my mind like a blink. And my parents usually told me that too. So enjoy the time and fulfill your responsibility and press the faith upon them, but also help them build, love them, and enjoy them. Because they are blessings. So treat them as such. So today we talked about how do we have a rock-solid family. And uh, the rock-solid family that we have from God, there are some things that we want to do. And the first thing we want to do is invite God to be the center of our family. And we do that first by inviting God to be the center, right? We, we make him there. We center our lives on him. Then we need to make our spouse my top priority after God. And finally, fulfill my responsibility to my children. Now, I know as we bring this message to a close, some of you are thinking, well, that's really great, Aaron. But what about for a lot of us who don't have kids at home that are uh, either singles or empty nesters or what if we're widows or widowers? What about us? <laughs> These same things apply to you as well. Can you center your family on God? Can you make God your center priority? I tell you what, even in any home, even the Apostle Paul, who was single, did this. How about this? Make your spouse your top priority after God. Well, it looks different in different stages of life. If you are not married yet, can you devote yourself to purity? Can you be praying for your future spouse? Can you make yourself the right person? Work on that, that inner character and development. How about uh, if you are an empty nester and you're like, I don't have kids at home. What can you do? Well, how about your grandkids? Maybe you missed the opportunity when your kids were young to be able to impress faith upon them. Well, don't you have opportunity today? Can you use your opportunity to, to share your faith with your children and your grandchildren, to pray for them, to care for them? Can you be the light of Christ in their life? Or how about if you're a widow or a widower? Well, you can center your life on God, can't you? And you know what? Maybe your top priority doesn't have to be a spouse any longer. You're like Paul. You're free. Well, can you then serve in the church and through the church and, and care for your friends and those in your offices and all those other things? Can you care that way? And how about, if, what if you don't have children or grandchildren? Well, if you're in the family, uh, if you're, then you are part of this family. And so we have folks here, some, some men in this church that don't have biological children or biological grandchildren, but they'll tell you what, they're, they're fathers and grandfathers in the faith. And we have women in this church who've never had children of their own biological children, but they have children of the faith. That's part of being a disciple of Jesus that builds generational transformation of disciples of Jesus. So you can fulfill your responsibility just here being part of the church, maybe serving in the children's ministry, praying for our, church, our family. But all of us can be part of this. And we, God wants us to have rock-solid families so we can have a solid church, so we have that refuge and a place of training to find peace and joy and glory for him in this community. Well, that's what we have today. So how then do you apply this to your life? Well, here's some things that you can do. Why don't you start by memorizing Romans 8.18? I know that's a great place to begin. If you're a young parent, boy, that's a good one to remember that today's not forever and what you're doing matters, that our present struggles are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. But for all of us, uh, we want to make sure that we, uh, we uh, study that. The second thing we want to do is we want to read uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And that's what we have in the, the uh, I talked about today. That's going to talk a lot about families and how to work in there. Ephesians 4, 5, 6, all that. So why don't you read that? You can also pray for your parents and for your children. That's another thing that I'm going to ask you to do. 
And uh, so it would be a helpful thing to do. And the last one, uh, I know that we're not meeting right now together, but we will soon. But I say this, would you join this church family? Maybe you've started watching as the pandemic began or whatever. Maybe you've been part of this, but you just haven't joined the church yet. Say, so you know what? I need a church family. Join us. And if you want to do that, let me know. Send me an email. Send me a link. Let me know if you're interested. And uh, there's places on our website you can contact me. Uh, but let us know. We have a membership class that will be coming up. I want to invite you to that to see what it means to be part of the church. But, uh, but join the church family. Become part of this. All right, well, that's all I have today for all of our moms. Again, I want to wish you a very happy Mother's Day, and I look forward to worshiping with you all very soon. Until then, well, God bless you. Sleep.
Well, thank you again for joining us for worship this Sunday morning. And again, one last time, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all of our great moms. And uh, uh, now as we bring this to a close, a couple things to do. If you haven't had a chance to uh, fill out your connection card, please do that now before you leave. Just take a second, fill that out. We really do appreciate it. If you're a guest, maybe your first or second time with us, we really would love to hear from you. And so that's going to be in the tab there, uh, depending on your platform. That might be in the description below. Uh, but And it's always on our website, so just... Uh, funchurch.com. Make sure you check that out. So fill that out. Um, if you have any prayer requests, please uh, let us know. We do want to be praying with you. The second thing I would like to do, if you haven't had a chance to make your offering, uh, you can do that on our, our website. We've got a secure and a pretty easy way of doing that at funchurch.com. Um, there's a button there. Click it and you'll be able to set up your offering either one time or recurring. You can do that. Um, if you want to mail in your offering as well, let us, um, that's at our w- address here at the church, 4655 U.S. Highway 36 here in Estes Park, Colorado, 80517. And uh, so that's how you can do that and worship God with uh, your, your things as we talk about today's message. And lastly, would you please be praying for us this next week as uh, we look at how we're going to restart and doing that in the right way. We really want God's wisdom in this, so please join me in that. And a great way you can join me in praying for these things is... Uh, every Monday, at Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the weekdays, mornings, uh, we have a Take 5 Daily, which is five minutes that we post on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page. And so uh, it's called Take 5 Daily. If you search Christian Church of Essence Park on either of those platforms or go to our website, there's a link to both of those platforms. Uh, join us there. Make sure you like and subscribe, and they'll come to you. And just join us each day as we pray and look forward to God restoring us, bringing us back together this month. All right, that's all I have. May God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Take five.